0: Welcome to Everything Yesterday This Morning, a 15-20 to minute daily recap of headlines you may have missed. Come for the news, stay for the snarky commentary. Good morning and welcome to Tuesday's edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I am your host, Literally Heather. I'm sorry I'm coming to you guys a little bit later. I've had a couple things going on in the evenings the last couple days, so it has caused me to have to record in the morning versus uh, recording in the evening and having it release in the morning. So anyway, um, if you thought that it was odd that numerous politicians, including the President of the United States, took time out of their taxpayer-funded schedule to visit Motherland, Ukraine, I can't imagine how odd you would find it that our Treasury Secretary and former Federal Reserve President Janet Yellen is gal it up with Zelensky. Yellen's surprise visit was to solidify the U.S. commitment to financially support Kyiv in its fight against Russian invaders as the second year of the war begins. Like, how much more solidification do we need to provide? Is that mattress not packed with cash hard enough? Has the big guy not gotten enough from his 10% cut? Yellen announced the transfer of $1.25 billion in aid to Ukraine as part of a new $9.9 billion package of civilian aid. That's with a B, folks. She said, the United States cannot allow Ukraine to lose the war for economic reasons while it's succeeding on the battlefield. She said, I'm in Kyiv to reaffirm our unwavering support of the Ukrainian people. Mr. Putin is counting on our global coalition's resolve to wane, which he thinks will give him the upper hand in the war, but he's wrong. As Biden said last week, America will stand with Ukraine for as long as it takes. First of all, I feel like you must have a mouse in your pocket as you parade around with this global coalition talk. The people of all of the countries your global coalition is pilfering and stealing from have had enough. The only people who want to continue this war are the ones benefiting from it. And massive newsflash, the resolve is waning. It waned. It's fallen down Under the bus, and y'all have driven backwards and forwards over it, and the buzzards are picking it clean. The resolve is gone. Zelensky shared a video of Yellen arriving to meet him on his Telegram channel and said, quote, the United States has been powerfully supporting us since the first days of the war, not only with weapons, but also on the financial front. We really appreciate it. Thank you for systematic steps to increase sanctions pressure on the aggressor state. It's necessary to further strengthen sanctions to deprive Russia of the ability to finance the war. My healthiest distrust in governmental authority was instilled at a very young age when my father used to tell me, do as I say, not as I do, as he proceeded to drink his fifth cup of post-noon coffee like a madman. This is no different. It's very rare for a Treasury Secretary to visit a war zone, and it's been a year since Yellen warned of the global economic ramifications of the war in Ukraine. Last April, Yellen forecasted that the war and sanctions against Russia would disrupt the global economy, saying much like she reiterated Monday that Russia must be held accountable for its reprehensible actions against Ukraine. All the world's a stage and all the men and women are merely players. They have their exits and their entrances. While Janet Yellen is hanging out in the United States of Ukraine, here in the United States of America, a hunger cliff is looming for millions of Americans, with 32 states set to slash food stamp benefits beginning on Wednesday. The cuts will impact more than 30 million people who are enrolled in the SNAP program, Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, in those states, according to data from the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Among the states where recipients are facing cuts are California and Texas, which have the greatest number of people on SNAP at 5.1 million and 3.6 million, respectively. The reductions set to begin in March are due to end the so-called emergency allotments, which bolstered food stamp benefits at the start of the pandemic as Americans grappled with the massive disruption to the economy caused by the very government. Anyway, while the U.S. is certainly on more stable footing than in 2020, households are now struggling with high food costs. Groceries were about 11.3% higher in January than a year earlier making the timing of the SNAP cuts particularly challenging. Experts say people will on average lose about $82 of SNAP benefits per month. Um, Ellen Vollinger, who's the SNAP director at the Food Research and Action Center, which is an anti-hunger advocacy group, says that means a family of four could see their monthly benefit cut by about $328 a month. The worst hit could be elderly Americans who receive the minimum monthly benefit. They could see their SNAP payments tumble from $281 to as little as $23 per month. Meanwhile, 18 states had already ended their emergency allotments early, with some citing the strengthening economy as the reason. I I really want to see the strengthening economy. Like, where the fuck is that? Um. In states like Georgia that have cut nutritional aid, however, food banks have seen a surge in demand as a result, according to Pew State Line. Like many food banks across the country, we're experiencing that lines are getting longer. This is the CEO of the Atlanta Community Food Bank. We've seen a 40% increase to our network over the last 15 months. The remaining 32 states that had continued the additional aid are losing that extra money next month. This will increase demand at food pantries all across the country. I'm not sure if these people understand the economic stability of Ukraine is the most important thing right now. These people can just work more hours or get additional jobs. Despite the rebounding economy, there's that language again, many Americans continue to struggle with food insecurity, experts say. Food stamp enrollment remains high with 42 million people receiving the benefit in November of 2022, the most recent data available or about 6% higher in 20, than in 2020. Uh, it may seem like an oddity that SNAP enrollment has increased given the nation's unemployment rates as it is at its lowest since 1969, but many workers still can't find full-time work or line up enough hours to pay the bills. Most working-age people who receive food stamps are actually employed. You guys know me. Government-funded assistance is not my bag, but the government is going to steal money from us and waste it on untold numbers of things. If they're going to spend it, I'd rather it be on helping people get a leg up when they need it to get food in this country. We rush off to all parts of the world in the name of starving people, but we have plenty of people starving here. If You're going to spend the money, spend it on the people you're stealing it from. You know, if they'd pass the Fair Tax Act, where we abolish the federal in- income tax, I feel like people being allowed to keep more of their own money might be helpful. The U.S. Supreme Court on Monday agreed to decide whether the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau's funding structure established by Congress violates the U.S. Constitution in a case that Joe Biden's administration has said threatens his agency's ability or the agency's ability to function and risks market disruption. The justices took up the CFPB's appeal of a lower court ruling in a lawsuit brought by trade groups representing the payday loan industry, and the agency's funding mechanism violated a constitutional provision giving lawmakers the power of the purse. The agency, which enforces consumer financial laws, draws money each year from the U.S. Federal Reserve earnings rather than budgets passed by congress the case is the latest to come before the supreme court seeking to rein in the authority of federal agencies the court's 6 to 3 conservative majority has signaled skepticism toward expansive regulatory power in rulings in re- recent years including the one in 2022 that limited the epa's authority to issue sweeping regulations to reduce carbon emissions from power plants A CFPB spokesperson welcoming the court's decision to hear the appeal said there's nothing novel or unusual about the agency's funding structure, as it did for the Federal Reserve Board and other banking regulators. Congress authorized the CFPB's funding through legislation other than annual spending bills, the spokesperson said. This type of funding is a vital part of the nation's financial regulatory system providing stability and continuity for the agencies and the system as a whole. The justices will hear the case during the court's next term, which begins in October. Biden's administration has asked that the case be heard in the court's current term. The CFPB was created by Democratic-led Congress in 2010, following the 2008 financial crisis. As part of a federal law called the Dodd-Frank Wall Street Reform, and Consumer Protection Act. Despite years of desperate attacks from Republicans and corporate lobbyists, the constitutionality of the CFPB and its funding structure have been upheld time and time again. Uh, This was said by Democratic U.S. Senator Elizabeth Warren, who championed the agency's formation and is a staunch defender of its mission. If the Supreme Court follows more than a century of law and historical precedent, it will strike down the Fifth Circuit's decision before it throws our financial markets and economy into chaos, as if they aren't already. The Community Financial Services Association of America and the Consumer Service Alliance of Texas sued in 2018. They argued that the CFPB's perpetual budget was improperly exempted from congressional supervision, violating the constitutional principle of separation of powers among the U.S. government's executive, legislative, and judicial branches. Biden's administration told the Supreme Court that the CFPB's funding structure devised by Congress, providing that a fixed amount go to the agency each year, was effectively a standing capped lump sum appropriation. The Fed last fiscal year transferred around $642 million to the agency. The court heard arguments in November in two further cases involving agency power. The conservative justice in those cases appeared inclined to make it easier to challenge the regulatory power of agencies in disputes involving the Federal Trade Commission and the Security Exchange Commission. Kind of makes you wonder, doesn't it? Uh, $642 million went to that agency, but there's only 1,591 people that work there. Why is Joe Biden so hell-bent on this case being heard as soon as possible? Why are so many entities absolved of oversight in this government? This will be a good case to follow in the coming session. Parts of the mid-Atlantic United States are reportedly seeing mysterious white dust falling in the region, with officials testing samples of the dust to identify its origin. Several reports of an unknown white powder or dust sediment falling out of the sky throughout West Virginia and Maryland. Local fire departments suggesting people shut your, excuse me, shut your windows and doors, stay inside until it can be investigated. Eastern Panhandle Working Fires, or EPWF, which tracks emergencies in Panhandle, West Virginia, warned about strange film dust descending on Jefferson and Berkeley counties, as well as other areas. EPWF contacted the West Virginia Department of Environmental Protection, which warned citizens experiencing related issues to call 911 immediately, have their local fire department respond. WVDEP also advised citizens to shut their doors and windows of their homes, avoid venturing outside, until the issue can be identified. The WVDEP received reports late Thursday night about the dust and mobilized inspectors to the area to collect samples and identify potential sources. No obvious sources have been identified at this time. No shelter-in-place advisories have been issued for this area. Samples will be taken to the West Virginia Geological and Economics Survey in Morgantown to determine if the cause of the dust is related to recent dust storms in the Midwest. The dust residue on cars this morning has a pretty logical explanation, and that's dust kicked up from a dust storm in the plains a few days ago. Ryan Hanrahan, a meteorologist from Connecticut, said, As for the chemical chlorine-like smell, I don't have an explanation for that, he said. I did smell it this morning here in West Hartford, and it was pretty strong. It seems unlikely, though, that it's from the train derailment and fire in Ohio last week, as it would have dispersed quite a bit in the last 10 days. There are few professions in this world that can be wrong so frequently and still keep their job. Meteorologist is one of them, but, you know, trust the science. Hidden deep in the recess of the news, the U.S. Marshal Service suffered a security breach over a week ago that compromises sensitive information. The affected system contains law enforcement, sensitive information, including returns from legal process, administrative information, and personally identifiable information pertaining to subjects of U.S. Marshal investigation, third parties, and certain U.S. Marshall employees. The incident occurred February 17th when the Marshall service discovered a ransomware and data exfiltration event affecting a standalone USMS system. The system was disconnected from the network, and the Justice Department began a forensic investigation. A senior law enforcement official familiar with the incidents that the breach did not involve the database involving the WITSEC program, witness security program, commonly known as the witness protection program. The official said no one in the witness protection program is in danger because of the breach. Nevertheless, the incident is significant, affecting law enforcement sensitive information pertaining to the subjects of Marshall's investigations. The official said the agency has been able to identify and develop a workaround so that it is able to continue operations and efforts to track down fugitives. Sounds like they need to be worried about the fugitives tracking them down at this point. Uh, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un urged government officials to engineer a, quote, fundamental transformation in agricultural production. Um, apparently amid fears that the country's food shortage is worsening, Perhaps, and call me crazy, but spending all your money on weapons and military spending because you're a communist dictator hell-bent on world domination doesn't bode well for the actual population of citizens that you have. Kim said hitting grain production targets this year was a top priority and emphasized the importance of stable agriculture production during the second day of the 7th Enlarged Plenary Meeting of the 8th Central Committee of the Workers' Party of Korea on Monday. The report did not elaborate on what measures North Korea would take, but Kim said the changes needed to happen over the next few years. Collective farms account for the vast majority of North Korea's agriculture. According to researchers, such farms typically host multiple small farmers who produce crops with joint labor. I love the fluffy commie language. Collective farms, joint labor, you work for free for the people. Kim's remark comes amid reports of growing food shortages in the country, though North Korea has denied suggestions that it cannot provide for its citizens. Earlier this month, South Korea's Unification Ministry said that the food situation in North Korea seems to have deteriorated. The ministry said at the time that it was rare for North Korea to announce a special meeting on agriculture strategy, which was slated for late February. In his address at Monday's meeting, Kim mentioned the importance of the growth of the agricultural productive forces in ensuring socialist construction. North Korea is under strict international sanctions right now over its nuclear weapons and ballistic missile program. And its economy has been further strained by strict self imposed border lockdowns aimed at stopping COVID 19 outbreaks. The full extent of the food shortages in North Korea is unclear, but in a January report, the US based 38 North Project said that food insecurity was at its worst since famines that devastated the country in the 90s. Food availability has likely fallen below the bare minimum. With regard to human needs, North Korea's pursuit of self-sufficiency means all of its grain is produced domestically, but that has left the country vulnerable. If it has become that dire, expect the rhetoric and behavior coming out of the administration to escalate as it threatens missile launches and then a ceasefire will be in exchange for food. Achieving adequate agricultural output in North Korea's unfavorable soil has ironically generated a heavy reliance on imported goods and left the country exposed to global shocks, diplomatic conflicts, and adverse weather. The long-term solution to the problems lies partly in resolving the standoff over nuclear weapons and sanctions. It also requires economic reforms. The initiation of domestic economic reforms would unshackle North Korea's productive capacity and allow it to export industrial products and tradable services, earn foreign exchange, and import bulk grains on a commercially sustainable basis. That is your everything yesterday, this morning on a Tuesday. I think today's Tuesday. I don't even know anymore. Um, I hope that you guys have a great day and I will see you tomorrow. If you like today's show, be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications so you never miss an episode. Also, please don't forget to check out ShouseInTheHouse.com and never forget that free men do not need permission from any government. Have a great day.